Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Autosport Podcast. We look back at the WRC season so far and look ahead to what should be a thrilling three-way fight for the title. Well, today on the Autosport Podcast, we'll be returning to the world of mud and gravel for the first time in, in far too long, I have to say, to have a look at the World Rally Championship season. We're in the in the, the mid-season gap at the moment, so plenty has gone on since we last talked about things. I'm your host, Ed Shaw, and joining me, as always, when mud is involved, is David Evans, who uh, I presume you've enjoyed your, your first half of the, the WRC season. I certainly have, Ed. It's been, uh, it's been an absolute classic. I think I always come on on these mid-season things and say they're absolute classics, but this one has been particularly particularly uh, entertaining we've seen a bit You're of losing credibility now just always i am it. yeah slightly and yeah. did i have any credibility in the answer i don't think so but no it's been good it's been very uh very interesting once again we've seen you know amazing speed from from toyota from tanak and in some ways you know he could have he could actually have made it quite a dull first half of the year if you like because he could have won virtually every rally i can't think of one i did he lead in sweden I can't remember. There was one event he hasn't led. Otherwise, he has been absolutely masterful. And, you know, he's won three. He's led for three rounds. He should have won Sardinia last time out. If he had have won that event, he probably would have been 25, 30 points 
and not just the four points ahead that he is. So he did win Sweden, didn't he? He actually did win Sweden. <laughs> sorry, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> yes, he, he, he did actually win Sweden. So yeah, he definitely led Sweden. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, so Toyota's definitely had some some issues this year. You know, we've seen some problems from the outset in Monte Carlo with wheel rims. You know, they had these really fragile rims that, that gave some punctures uh, and then some electrical problems. And of course, at the last round in Sardinia, all four cars having these steering issues. Um, of which, with huge amounts of drama in the power stage, uh, cost o- o- the, the the victory. Um, so those issues from Toyota have kept the championship really, really interesting. Um, Is it not just going to be a little bit like it was last year, where you'll have Oitzanet being the best driver, but unreliability robbing him, Sebastian Auger just getting the best out of what he's got and winning, and Thierry Neuville looking like he's going to be a contender and then falling away at the end? Yeah, should we go home? I think he may have just actually summed up the second half of the year. No, I, okay, Tanak is very hard to look past him. You know, these three events coming up, Finland, Germany, Turkey, he won them all last year. So if he does the same, you know, he'd then come to Britain in a very, very strong position, potentially, if not the champion. Um, but the Toyota hasn't been the strongest car. Um, the Citroen's getting stronger, for sure. You know, now we've seen some real pace coming from the Hyundai. It was Rally Estonia last week. Uh, Andreas Mickelson showed incredible pace there. He was finished second to Tanak, but they've got some aero updates at the front of the car. They've got some suspension work done on the car. All of that is going to help in Finland uh, and make that car into a contender from the second half of the year. So for sure, Tanak has to be favorite going into into the next six rallies. But at the same time, the, the other guys are getting quicker. And, you know, we shouldn't forget M Sport have still been there. You know, Corsica was absolutely Elvin Evans rally. Temu Sununum was second in Sardinia last time out. So there is, there's still plenty of pace in the Fiesta. Um, and Chris Meek is coming on. You know, he's gaining speed, gaining confidence in the car. There's there's plenty can happen. And then just to throw in a real curveball, of course, in Sardinia, we had a Danny Sordo win. Yeah, that one was, uh, was quite retro, wasn't it? I, th- I thought Danny Sordo was just there to sort of accumulate gently. He Well, he, and he certainly managed that through this year. And But I have to say, you know... I've I've watched Danny throughout his career and he is without a shadow of a doubt the most popular driver probably our equivalent of someone like Rubens Barrichello I would imagine um going retro again um but but no it was it was really good and Sordo's had pace you know places like Portugal and Mexico he's got his reputation as just been a tarmac driver he's not at all you know he had super speed in in both of those events and and he absolutely won in Sardinia, you know, on pace. Okay, he didn't match uh, Tanak's speed, but he was ahead of, of Temu and these other people. And um, it, it was a great event for him. And tellingly, you know, in, in Sardinia, one of the stories we had, obviously Tanak's problem, but the other story for me in Sardinia last time out was Thierry Neville, who had an absolute shocker. Uh, and just at the time when Thierry really needed a good, strong result, uh, everything went wrong. We saw a really, I saw a rare mistake from from his co-driver Nicolas Gilsul. Um and then he kept taking the wrong tires. Uh, he kept going on hards when he needed so or the medium, uh, and it just didn't work. And on one stage, I can't remember which stage it was now, but you know the car looked like something out of Mad Max. It was off the road at every other corner. Uh, it was shocker, and you know probably his worst rally in certainly in the current generation of of cars. Um, but because of that problem with Oit, he's only seven points behind going into the second half of the year. I have to say, Tanak, it feels like it would be right for Tanak to to win this title simply because he's been, you know, he's been improving step by step over a long period of time, and he's he's got to this level over the past few years. 
he's just a formal job. I remember being a little bit skeptical a few years ago when you were pushing him for his for sort of up our top fifty that we do at the end of season. You made quite a good case about his performances, but he's just kept he's just kept building, hasn't he? He has, and we we've seen it. You know, I mean, we've talked and we've written time and again about how he was dropped and sacked by Malcolm Wilson three times, um, but Malcolm kept the faith with him. Uh, and then we saw through through 17, you know, when he was beating Sebastian Auger in the same car, that was really where it absolutely came of age. And this new generation of cars really suits him, you know, lots of aero, lots of power. And since his move to Toyota in 18, you know, he has been the absolute class of the field. And I would say probably in the last 12 months, looking back to this time last year, he has absolutely been the quickest driver on every rally. Uh, and and right now he is totally in the zone. Uh, and that's that was one of the really difficult things. In Sardinia, we had this Saturday evening where he was, I can't remember now, half a minute, whatever, ahead of everybody. Um, and he'd done it effortlessly. You know, you watch these drivers, you know, you've seen them, Ed, that they can't explain what they're doing. They're just doing it and the time is coming to them. Uh, and he was in that position and and he sat, we were waiting in Algaro and there was no pressure. Um, it, there was no early check into this control. So we just sat there and we chatted for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, just about everything. Uh, and the guy was so relaxed, so comfortable. Um, probably the most comfortable I've seen him in, in years. And if not ever, uh, and you just kind of thought then, crikey, this year's done. You know, this boy cannot be caught. Uh, and then even, you know, in places like Argentina on the really quick roads, I remember Thierry saying this year, you know, that the the Toyota's made for these roads. Tanex made for these roads. We can't beat him. Uh, and they are going to really struggle. You know, if he if he absolutely nails Finland, you know, Germany, he's super strong as well. Turkey could be tricky because we saw last year it's rough. But what we saw with Tanak last year in Turkey, he was eighth or ninth at the end of the first day. He was nowhere. But that rally came to him. He bided his time. It was a, a proper old school Really rough WRC round that you take your time. You you don't try and rush. You don't try and win the rally on every corner. He did that. And in just the same way that everybody used to talk about Colin McRae being only able to drive quick rallies and win fast events, Colin won Corsica, he won Safari, he won Cyprus. In that same sort of style, Tanak won Turkey last year just by driving quickly, slowly. So if he can do that again in Turkey, I mean, for me, the issue really is with the car. Um, it... Toyota can lose this championship for, for Tanak. Tanak can only win it for them. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because if there's any chinks in the armour, Auger and the Citroën, Auger's always getting sort of maximum results in top four every rally. The Citroën seems to be pretty reliable from, from what I can make out. So, you know, the, the, those balls being dropped, even, if it's, certainly even, gonna... even if it's just one more reliability problem, that that's enough if, if Auger doesn't have any problems for him just to keep picking this... up the points. And, and he's just going to be there, isn't he? Exactly. And this is what Seb is superb at. He is just so good at, at winning, you know, events when, you know, times this year he's been on the podium where he's absolutely no business being on the podium. Genuinely, he was nowhere on events. Uh, and he's somehow managed to just about get there. And that's what he does. You know, he can win or he can score well ugly time and again uh, and he's just you know we saw him in, in Monte Carlo this year he won that rally because he knows Monty so well he knows how to call the conditions the tires everything then the we local saw him, knowledge isn't it uh, absolutely and just experience and this is what's really told him you know we saw him then win in Mexico it's experience and he knows that he doesn't need to to risk everything uh, and he's just got a real sort of serenity about him this year 
But equally, having said all of that, he made two mistakes. You know, Sweden, he put it off the road into a snowbank. And then just the most bizarre, odd incident in Sardinia where he turned into a, turned into a corner and there was a massive rock. You know, you could probably see that rock from this office. It was so big. He turned in and clipped it and broke the front left suspension. Uh, or the front right, I can't remember which, but the broke the front suspension. And that was it. And, you know, it, genuinely, there was a sharp and take a breath around the place because nobody could believe this kind of schoolboy error that he just made. And he had, he, you know, immediately fronted up to it completely as a mistake. And it was an absolute shocker. But it, in the same way that we saw him last year in Turkey, when he worked on the car at the end of the stage and he kept the car in the event, did all the hard work, just the most magnificent bit of... Um, mechanicking if you like from a world champion came back to service got the car completely fixed next stage went out and slid off the road you know it was absolutely bizarre um and i just i hope for his his sake that you know the season's not defined by such a, a silly mistake um but i think you know we saw again last year that he's got the potential to be right there right at the finish and nobody knows this championship apart from latvala as well as as, as Ogier, uh, and he can be right there it does seem to be looking at the the kind of perform, relative performance of teammates. We've got these sort of three drivers really standing out. Maybe some others have had some cameos, but if you compare uh, what Ogier's doing compared to um, Lappy, who's yeah. you know highly rated, and I know building experience, but but I think I, I've got to say here, Ed, I think this is what we see at Citroen now is the Ogier factor. Ogier brings that tenth of a second per mile or whatever to the car. And, you know, everybody looked at Ogier and then looked at Lappy rather unfairly and said, you know, what's, what the hell is Lappy doing? Well, actually, Lappy is probably a far closer gauge of where that C3 WRC is right now. Okay, he hasn't got the confidence of faith in the car, so he's not, he's not getting the speed out of it. But that's what Ogier's got. You know, it's actually more Ogier's software rather than Citroen's hardware, if you like, that, that is, is delivering the, the ultimate pace to potentially win rallies. Um, but having said that, you know, they've got some upgrades coming. I'm not sure there's too much coming for Finland, uh, but certainly for, for Turkey, they've got some stuff coming on the car. And that could be just enough towards the end of the year to, to potentially get Ogier over the line for a seventh title. And I guess we've also got the, the situation at Toyota where you've got... Obviously, Tanak's been extraordinary good. Lavalo, who's been there for a while, a little bit mundane. Chris Meek, who's gone in there, mm. you know, he's been seems to have been re- reasonably consistent. But, he, but, but you know, again, whether he's I don't know whether he's not really got on top of the car. I think I, for me, Chris actually in the first three or four rallies did the perfect job. He did exactly what he set out to do. He wasn't trying to to be quickest. He wanted to establish himself in the car and in the team. Um, obviously he had a new co-driver for this year. He'd been out of the Citroen for a long time last year. Everything was new. Um, having said that, he did win, he did win the shakedown stage in Monte Carlo. So he, he kind of jumped in and went quite quickly straight away. But once the event started, he did a very good job. Uh, and then we saw, um, the, the mistake in Chile, the silly role in Chile. Uh, and then for me, one of the biggest frustrations was Portugal where going, I think two stages from the finish, he was eight seconds off Tanak for the win. And then he had a, a spin in the penultimate stage, dropped to third. And I think, you know, third was fairly safe through the power stage. And then he pushed too hard in the power stage and he took a wheel off or broke the suspension or something. That, for me, as much as we'd seen Meek turn a page and move on in the early part of the year, that almost was, was going back to the bad old Chris that just wouldn't give it up, you know, because 
he was never going to win Portugal from that point. Uh, and it would have been more sensible just to stick for the podium. Um, so that was frustrating. It, it almost seems like he's got that sort of good, the sort of sensible mode to play his way in. Yeah. And then when he ramps it up, it's just that. Yeah. It's, it's finding, I mean, it's incredibly difficult to find them. And these, these mistakes that obviously have such huge consequences are really often tiny errors. But yeah, um, they, it's finding, it seems to be finding that balance. We know how quick he is, but just... It's that sweet spot. It is that sweet spot. And, you know, that has been a bit of an issue for Chris in the past. But in 16, he found it and he flew. And if he'd done a full year in 16 in that DS3, okay, he benefited a little bit from the running order, but he would have challenged for the championship. He can do it. Um, but the trouble is, I think, what destabilizes you a little bit is when you look at the timing board at the end of the stage and you see in the same piece of kit that someone like Tanak has done the time that he's done. Um, so I don't know. I think, you know, Chris, he's got a big second half of the year coming, um, but he scored well. Um, okay, the Portugal retirement was frustrating, but there's been some top fours in there. Um, so let's see. The big question for me is Latvala. You know, he really has to pull it out of the bag uh, on the next one. What we saw in, in Sardinia, just possibly the softest role of his career. And, you know, Yerry Matthews had a few roles in his career, but this one, you know, downhill hairpin, turned into early and it just fell over. And it was pathetic, you know, even by, by, you know, by his own admission, it was a rubbish crash. Um, and that, the trouble is that sends Yerry Matty into the long, the six or seven week summer break thinking, and it brings the pressure for Finland time. And again, you know, we have seen Yerry Matty struggle at home with the weight of the world on his shoulders. He told me after Sardinia, he was going to his new summer house at the side of a lake and he was going to fix the boiler. He was going to do this with the pipe. He was going to do nothing to do with rallying. Uh, and that's what he needs to do. He needs to get away from everything. Clear his mind completely. Forget what he did uh, in the first half of the year and get on it. Because for sure, that boy's got the pace. You know, he can still win Finland. And he's actually still he's still really in his prime, isn't he? It's easy he, to think yeah, oh, you know, he might be kind of in decline. But actually still, because no, right he started there. so young. Exactly. You know, the guy's done 200 rounds of the World Championship, 201 or something. But you're right, you know, he's not 40 yet. He's still in his prime. But for me, you know, this we talk about uh, Yari Matti trying to win Finland. We talk about Meek trying to win Finland. But in many ways, you know, this is part of Toyota that I just don't understand, that they've got this guy at the top, Tanak. They're trying to get him across the line in the championship. So why is Tommy Mackinac not managing those drivers more than he is? You know, each power stage, Tanak goes into the power stage and he knows he's fighting two other guys in super quick cars the same as his for five points. Well, that, to me, it doesn't make sense. You know, Meek and Lavala both want a contract for next year. You know, if Tommy was to tell them, look, power stage, forget it. You know, we have to do what we can to help Tanak here. Then it's absolutely fair game. Um, and there's, t there's times when I feel that almost Tanak is fighting the team as much as he's fighting everybody else because Tommy's, he's been a driver and he wants to keep everything so fair, which is absolutely laudable and admirable. Which but is strange because in his pomp, it was, Mitsubishi was his team, wasn't it? It was he, his uh, team, but you know, I he, can't really remember. It was certainly once he'd established himself. It, it, I mean, in uh, fairness, probably, Burnsy yeah. was there in the very early days and Burnsy was a, he was the only other driver to ever win in the Mitsubishi. But then Freddie Loikes came along, lovely, fast Freddie or steady Freddie, whichever say, side of the fence you say. Lovely bloke, but he was never going to challenge Tommy. Uh, and Tommy absolutely ran that team. You're quite right. Um, but I think Tommy's seen it from both sides. Uh, and, you know, he wants to, to provide a level playing field for everybody. But I'm just not sure that's the way to go. 
into the second half of the year. And, for, you know, he's got... Well, well at this stage, success for Toyota is Tanak winning the championship, isn't it? So It, it is. So Latvala and Meek have to be yeah. part of that. And actually, in doing so, that should make them stronger candidates for new contracts. You would have thought so. You would have thought so. There is an awful lot of talk about Calais Rovenpera, uh, and we've already written that he's signed for next year. It's our belief that he he will be in, in the third Yaris next year. So so, so that means one of Meek and Latvala are gone. Ex- exactly, if Tanak stays. You know, there's a huge amount well, of... that's true, yeah, because he's been with Hyundai and all sorts. Hasn't yeah, he? exactly. There's a, there's, from what I understand, negotiations are... Well, of course they're going on, you know, between Hyundai and M-Sport. Uh, I don't think there's much chatter with Citroen because Citroen's fairly well set with with Ogier and uh, and Esapeka. But there is a very real possibility that Tanek will leave. And, and you know, the the Sardinia thing undermined everything else that he'd done this year because the frustration was massive. You know, he'd won that event. He'd done the hard work. And it was a problem across all four cars with this steering, steering issue. Uh, and that sort of thing, you know, it can turn a driver. Um, so, but we will find out, I'm sure in the next two or three months, Finland coming up is really the time that contract negotiations intensify and we start to find out a bit more, but I would almost be as surprised to see Tanak at Toyota as not at Toyota next year. And I think from what I'm hearing, potentially Hyundai is emerging, you know, M Sport, Malcolm Wilson, there's a great heritage between Tanak, uh, and Wilson there and, absolutely it would be a dream come true for Oit to go back to M Sport where he started his career to sign a five-year deal to end his, his career with with Malcolm but is there the cash to do that deal that's the problem you know Malcolm's working very hard and if anybody can do it as we saw with Sebastian Ogier Malcolm Wilson can do it but there's there's that playing off against you know a good budget with with Hyundai um and a great chance to run up against the Thierry Neville in the same team. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but yeah, you're right. That potentially there's going to be one seat left for Lavala and Meek to fight over next year. So it's, it's going to be interesting. That's an interesting decision for Tanak actually, because before you were sort of talking about some of those things, I was thinking, why, why would he leave for Toyota? He's not been there for very long. You know, he's established as arguably probably because very strong case. He's the best driver in the championship at the moment. Certainly probably him or Ogier. Ogier, so he's got a manufacturer team it's giving it's giving him a chance to to win the title so jumping around it almost feels like he's at the time now he's got to that level where he needs to be with the team for a sustained period of of success and jumping about is it necessarily the right thing probably you know for me I would agree with you it's probably not but Tanak is the kind of guy that he's not hot-headed he's hot-headed in the moment but I don't know. Maybe now I haven't spoken to him for a while. Maybe he's gone back, calmed down a bit. The Estonia win will have helped. Uh, for sure, 12 months ago, it was difficult in the team. Um, you know, he said to me his reception was great, but then perhaps he expected too much too early. Um, and, it, you know, he didn't generally see eye to eye with the team too quickly last year. That's for sure that's improved this year. Um, but these small issues that keep happening, uh, they keep happening. Uh, and that is, is you know, the, the Hyundai, for sure, it hasn't had... So I keep saying for sure. Sorry, for sure. It's, all, uh, it's good motor racing. <laughs> to say. Uh, the Hyundai hasn't had the pace of the Toyota, but equally, it hasn't really had the same number of issues. Uh, and if they can can bring that car, uh, some give it some more pace in the second half of the year, you would definitely say that it's, it's quite an attractive option. And Andrea Adamo, you know, the new team principal, the new Hyundai Motorsport director, has done an amazing job. And what we've seen from Adamo is this ability to come in and take really difficult decisions. Uh, you know, Andreas Mikkelsen, 
he had a contract for 14 rallies. And we got to, where was it? It was Corsica the first time. And he said, no, you're not coming. I'm going to take Danny Sordo, Sebastian Loeb, and Thierry Neville. You know, the driver lineup that was smacking the rest of us between the eyes, it was so obvious. But nobody actually thought that Adamo would have taken the, the decision to get rid of a contracted driver. Uh, and probably under the old regime, Michel Nondon wouldn't have taken that decision. But Andrea did. And he said quite categorically, he will do whatever it takes to win the championship. Nothing stands in his way. Um, and I think that that, you know, that would quite excite Tanek because he would see that if he was in this position with Hyundai, the rest of the team would be right behind him. You know, he wouldn't be probably fighting with them on power stages. Everything would be directed to Tanak. Um, and that, maybe that could be the, the, the thing that turns him. I don't know. Uh, it, it does feel like, as well, from a Hyundai perspective, that's almost the missing piece. Because good as Neville is, him being able to win a, a rally on any given week, any given event, no problem at all. But he does feel like, there are, just the some, there are just some drivers who across the whole year have a weakness. Yeah. There'll, there'll be a few events where things go wrong or when the pressure really goes on. That they, I, they just, they, they're ag- just going to leave something, give something away that they don't need to. I would agree with that completely. But I think that probably we're being quite harsh on Thierry there because he has driven that car harder than anybody else. And he is trying to get more out of it and pushing it harder. Chile, you know, that massive shunt. Uh, that he had in Chile was simply because he was pushing the car so hard. Uh, and, you know, you look at the number of moments the boy's having uh, just to try and keep pace with Tanak. Um, so, that, you know, that's the other side of this, that if that car comes in the second half of the year, Thierry's always struggled a little bit in Finland. Um, but come Germany, Turkey, you know, we could really see an absolute renaissance for, for Thierry. Because if you go back to the start of 17, when they had the strongest car, you know, there's no doubt the I-20 hit the ground in this new generation running quicker than anybody. In that period, Thierry was exactly where Tanak is now. You know, he made a stupid mistake, not a stupid mistake, in, in Monty. He then in hit the thing in in, um, in Karlstad in round two. He would have, should have won those first two rounds. He should have been champion in 17. Um and then the car's just gone away from him a little bit, and and now they're bringing it back. So, who's to say uh, that Thierry in, in in the right car couldn't uh, couldn't finish the season in style? I guess it's that finding that fine line, isn't it? Because though Ogier's not been without errors, he seems to be able to still get the result. Because the the Hyundai, if you have a choice in a Hyundai or a Citroen, it's Hyundai at the moment. It's stronger, isn't it? Is Absolutely, that? yeah, it is. It, it definitely is. And you know the thing that you notice, you know, you listen to what, okay, they've done a lot of geometry work on the C3 and we saw it arrive in Finland last year with Osberg and he was second, he was leading the rally. But still, it's just not quite there because you listen to Lappi's comments this year and they're the same as what Breen was saying last year. You notice too much understeer, the car's moving too much in the middle of the corner. He can't get the confidence he needs from the car. Um, So yeah, things are coming slowly, but they're not, you know, the car's not there yet. Uh, Not by any means. Well, I'm just going to have to interrupt you for a minute there, David. We'll have a look away from rallying for a second and back to, I say Formula One, not just Formula One, but racing car design and indeed road car design to tell everyone about the, the new book from the legendary Gordon Murray in conjunction with Philip Porter. One formula, it's, uh, I say it's a book, it's actually a two-volume, magnum opus is probably the word for it. It's taken two years to make and it's out and available now. 
It tells the whole uh, story of Gordon Murray's design career. There's fantastic illustrations. Gordon Murray keeps very, very in-depth archives. So that, that's been raided and presented immaculately in, in these books. What really strikes you, actually, is the whole breadth of what Gordon Murray has done, because we think of him as a Formula One designer, a Brabham and McLaren, but he's an automotive designer, not just the McLaren F1, but well beyond his his fantastic world championship winning Formula One cars, he's done flat pack vehicle for Africa. All of his cars are in here. There's there's more than thirty five Formula One cars plus all the other automotive projects he's he's been involved in. It's uh, it, it's absolutely uh, immaculate, and I have to say, any motorsports or indeed automotive enthusiast needs to have this on their shelves. I uh, I must admit I did order my copy as soon as it was released and pay for it, I should add and it comes in a huge huge box very very well packed and it's just absolutely magnificent and I'm going to keep coming back to it again and again so that's called One Formula by Gordon Murray with the award-winning author Philip Porter uh, you can find more information for that and indeed order it on porterpress.co.uk their website just search for Gordon Murray One Formula and you should find it there. I, I thoroughly recommend it. It's already got pride of place on my bookshelf. Well, let's go back to, to WRC and indeed another legend, David. How's Sebastian Loeb getting on in his uh it was not quite it's it's not quite a full season, but it's not quite a bit part season with Hyundai, is it? He's turned no, I mean, out fairly. He's, he's done more six rallies, that. uh six of the first eight, and you've got to say, you know, it's been fantastic to have him back and he's really added an extra dimension to Hyundai. The biggest disappointment for me was was Corsica um, when he hit a curb on I think it was the first stage, very early in the event, um, and and ruled himself out. And that, you know, there had been such build up to this whole Auger versus Loeb fight. You know, one more time, it was brilliant, uh, and it all just went south from there. But you know, he's uh, Loeb is Loeb. He has absolute ability to um, to bring points home and to you know third place in Chile sensational and that showed his experience we all we went to Chile nobody had been there before nobody knew uh, exactly what to expect but on a two-pass recce Seb jumped in wrote his notes trusted them got on with it and brought the car to the podium uh, so and it's great to see him back you know he's to have somebody that you can put into context to talk about Marcus Grunold Petter Solberg Carlos Sainz that raced against these boys you know when this guy started, he was teammate with Colin McRae at Citroen. It's it's great, and it's fabulous for us as journalists to be able to reach back uh, to those memories and to those to those stories. Um, how long will he stay? I'm, I'm not sure. You know, he's got another deal for next year. Uh, beyond that, I I don't know, but it's for sure right now. Another for sure. Sorry, uh, it's uh, <laughs> certainly next. Time. Certainly, <laughs> certainly is good to have him with us this year. Does he have any any aspirations growing to do a full season again? Because I know he's he seems to have always been against that, but then I, then again, it's sort of it's growing, isn't it? Because six out of eight is yeah, it's, near, near as makes no difference almost in terms of time commitment. No. He's pretty certain he no, I'm he's sure. I'm pretty certain he would never do another full season. He doesn't like the travel, doesn't like the testing, doesn't like that massive commitment. What he wants to do is is a you know a handful six, seven, eight events. Uh, of events that he really enjoys, and that's exactly what he's doing this year. Right now, you know, Hyundai are working very hard on him uh, to try and do more events. Germany would be the absolute obvious one for him to do. He's won it a million times or something like that. Um, but he's in his contract, he's only got one more rally, and we understand that that's going to be Spain. 
So it now just depends. And, and you know, I spoke to, to Sebastian time and again and said, will you do more? And he said, it's not in the plan. You know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I wanted to do seven rallies. I didn't want to do eight. I wanted to do seven. So, you know, why would I change my mind and do eight? So this schedule of six wasn't the original plan either, was it? No, no, absolutely so, not. So not, no, being you know, plan, so, I mean, not being in the plan in terms of numbers, no, it's, it's yeah. already changed in yeah, terms of where. But it, it does it does depend on what Andrea Adamo can persuade him to do. And, you know, I just said how great it is to have him back, and it is great to have Lowe back. But my only reservation with all of that is is the way that he came back and he cost Hayden Padden his seat at the back end of last year. And I, two guys that should be in the championship is, is Hayden Padden and Craig Breen. You know, I think that they both, fully deserve their their place um and when you saw before a couple of spikes when you saw someone like mickelson really struggling with the car you just kind of totally felt for padden sitting at home when he'd done a superb job for the team last year he'd done exactly and he was almost kind of hung by his own ability on effort to do what the team asked him to do they asked him to bring the car home deliver points he did that and on occasion he could certainly have gone quicker and pushed for more of a win uh, but he didn't he did what the team wanted on the understanding that the team would deliver him a seat for this year. Uh, and I spoke to Adamo at the start of this year. You know, what about Padden? And quite rightly, Andrea Adamo said, you know, that was the old regime that promised him anything and actually promised, you know, ultimately they promised him nothing. But for me, definitely, certainly, Padden should be, uh, he should be there. And it's we go to Finland and Craig Breen is there with Hyundai. Uh, and and also, of course, Padden's there in a, in, a, in an M Sport Ford. Uh, so it, you know, Finland is going to be one of the best. I always say this as well about Finland is going to be one of the best rallies ever. Uh, you're you're going to get excited about uh, Rally GB in again in a minute, aren't you? I am, yes. are, we, are we into getting excited about Rally GB? <laughs> well, well, in fairness, you know, by sort of February, I'm already at sort of fever pitch for Rally GB. But but yeah, Finland for nearly said it Finland definitely is going to be an absolute classic you know everybody's there there's so much to race for there's the championship and then there is this kind of private battle between Padden and Breen both in in current spec world rally cars chasing you know the dream of a return full-time to the championship for next year um so yeah it's it's uh it's going to be an exciting one so I guess in the whole driver market thing everything everyone's waiting on Tanak then because it sounds like he's speaking to everyone Exactly. That's it. And, you know, Auger is obviously set for another season where he is. Thierry's deal, he's got another two years at a high and die. Um, so, yeah. And and f- I personally could actually see an, an awful lot of movement this year. You know, there's no reason why Elvin Evans wouldn't go to high and die. Or, you know, because someone like Elvin has done exactly the job that they would want from a number two or a number three driver. He's delivered consistency. Okay, there's been the odd mistake. You know, the crash in Monte was, was a silly one. Um, and Argentina was was unfortunate, but he has shown the the, the potential to deliver points regularly. Um, so I could see him moving. Uh, there's, I, there's definitely there's a lot of movement to come in the in the driver market. Well, obviously you, you've already been started getting excited about Rally Finland. That starts on the on the first of August. That's the the start of the uh, of the run in. So it's it's getting towards the business end of the championship now, isn't it? So it's it's kind of one slip could could cost you. Exactly. Now. Exactly. And we, I think this time last year, Thierry was something like 27 points ahead, something like that. I mean, the gap was huge. This year, the gap's seven points between three drivers. So that's constantly in the back of their mind now. Um, is it? Actually, I'm not sure in Finland because you can't have anything in the back of your mind because taking these jumps flat out in sixth year takes every 
space in your mind. One small mistake and you're rolling 17 times, aren't you? <laughs> exactly. You are. I mean, and, the, and you know, the margins are so small. When you, when you watch these cars in Finland, uh, that, you know, the pace is so incredible. Um, so Finland will be a flat-out race for sure. And then we come to Germany, which is always tr- tricky when the weather changing. It's, it can be quite a tactical rally. Turkey, Lord alone knows, you know, amongst the rocks, it's, as I said earlier, it's a proper old-school rough rally, which is great. Um, and then we've got German. Uh, sorry, we've got GB. I thought you were going to miss GB for a minute. Good lord, no! Uh, we've got Rally GB. We've got Spain and Australia. Uh, so three brilliant rallies to run into the end of the year. Uh, and I just hope, and it goes all the way to the wire. Last year it did uh, with with those three drivers in Australia fighting for the championship. And and as it stands now, you'd have to say it's going to go the same way. Uh, and so, if you had to. To have a punt on who's gonna who's gonna win. I know there's so many variables and with six events to go, it's it, it, it's asking. I, mean, I just assume that Sebastian Ogier will win. That's just my default <laughs> position. <laughs> That's because you've known nothing else for the last six years, or exactly, exactly. Sebastian of the last well, fifteen years. And I'm also following from uh, from some distance. It's quite, yes. it's quite hard to follow WRC uh, when you're trying to look at it from the uh, the F1 paddock. Yeah, although your Sebastian hasn't had much success, has he? This no, year? it's um, Sebastian with an A is a bad bad yeah. thing at the moment. Sadly, yeah. Yeah, no, it is. No, for me, it uh, in in WRC. Tanak has to be the man. You know, he can only lose it from here. Or as I said, the combination of man and machine can only lose it from here. But Tanak is absolutely driving beautifully uh, and, and quicker than anybody right now. Well, it certainly seems to be his time, doesn't it? I think he yeah. he, he certainly merits a... I almost feel like he merits a title more than, say, someone like Neuville yeah. does, which I know I, I always sound like I'm down on Terry Neuville, but I, I, do, no, no, just, no, I, I think... do just see him as a as a... a a winner of rallies, not necessarily quite a winner of a championship. Championship, yeah. As I said earlier, I think Neville has his big chance was seventeen, and he dropped it. Um, and that's not to say the chance will come back because Thierry is absolutely one of the top three drivers in the championship. Um, but you're right; it's it's Tanax time right now. Got anything else news-wise going on? I know there's lots of talk about Safari Rally coming back. Safari Rally had its candidate event um, earlier this month, uh, and it's looking very strong. There's a lot of, an awful lot of debate about the calendar. You know, I am actually bored uh, of writing and talking about the calendar. We were assured at June World Council that we would have the calendar for 2020, and that Corsica would be gone, Germany would be gone, Kelsapriz, we got no calendar, Um, and... Then we were told the calendar would be, there would be an e-vote, World Motorsport Council e-vote the week after, June, didn't happen. The week after, didn't happen. Um, by the end of July, didn't happen. Now we're told August. So hopefully... By, why, why all these delays? Oh, who knows? Ed, I've got no idea. There's debate between, I mean, they had to wait and see how Japan got on. But my understanding was that Japan, sorry, Safari. My understanding was Safari was in the calendar with an asterisk. Um, and on the proviso that that the Safari candidate event ran well. Which it, it did. Would be in, which it did. So therefore, why not just get on with it? Um, but yeah, another delay. As I was about to say, I, I do hope that by January, the whatever, uh, when we're about to start Monty, hopefully we'll know if we're going to Sweden for round two and Mexico for round three. It's, it's ridiculous. The understanding is Corsica goes, Germany goes, Japan's in, Kenya's in, um, with the first reserve of Germany uh, if Kenya or Japan fall over. 14 rounds next year, that's that's what I, I understand. There's some debate about Australia and New Zealand. Uh, the promoter doesn't want to go back to Coffs Harbour. Um, I don't know. It w- we'll see. But it would be nice to know. If you know anything, please feel free to uh, to shed some light. All I know is that the Safari Rally should be on the calendar. It I should am. be. And hopefully, well, I'm 99% sure it will be. 
Excellent. Well, uh, thanks very much, David Evans, for your insight into the WRC. We'll all be watching the second half of the season uh, enthusiastically, and hopefully, we'll uh, not leave it so long before getting you back in again. Absolutely not, Ed. No, I shall. I'm I'm here at your beck and call, as always. Well, do check out autosport.com. We'll have the latest from the World Rally Championship, all, all David Evans's excellent news stories, and uh, of course, in the in the plus feature section for our subscribers, all sorts of in-depth features. Autosport magazine out every Thursday, of course. Whenever there's a WRC event, there'll be in-depth coverage in there. Check out sister titles, motorsport.com, F1 Racing magazine out monthly, and Motorsport News, in which obviously David Evans writes prolifically. Lots of uh, rallying coverage in Motorsport News. And if you like the podcast, do subscribe. It's free out every Monday and Thursday usually. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.